fun. It was thrilling hanging under Virgil while he fist-pumped at every goal and jumped up and down, cheering for the Rangers, of course. Wyatt's, of course? I don't know. But that's all he said when I asked who we were rooting for. He bought an oversized Rangers t-shirt, which I wore to bed at his request. Kinky. After two glorious weeks, I awoke on the last day and lay on my side, watching him sleep. He's the kind of guy who grows a beard moment by moment, and dark stubble clothed his steely jaw, dark lashes resting on his tanned cheeks. In repose, his face isn't quite as strong-looking, his cheeks softer, throat skin slack, dark, unruly hair must. His shoulders are broad and sturdy. He sleeps with one arm flung up over his head, and he has a dark swirl of hair across his upper chest that narrows and points down intriguingly under the covers. Are you done watching me sleep? He growled. I chuckled and ducked under the covers. I guess I am, I said, my voice muffled. Chapter One We started our drive back to Autumn Vale in a fog of happy weariness. It's a long way and takes seven or eight hours at least. But Virgil likes driving, so I got us out of the city, and then he took over. I let him pick the tunes. He's not fond of opera or show tunes, preferring old Motown, the lingering tutelage of his buddy, and now partner in detective work, Duane Lester. I like all kinds of music, so I bopped along with The Temptations, The Supremes, Smokey Robinson, and both The Queen and The Godfather of Soul. At a certain point, though, he decided to take his own route. We hit a construction zone that wasn't indicated anywhere, and he got impatient. He's the kind of driver who taps his thumbs on the steering wheel while he gets more and more agitated. We then got backed up in traffic, and in no time we were quarreling, finally lapsing into sullen silence when he refused to go where I wanted. That lasted until we arrived in Geneseo, not far from Autumn Vale. Got out to stretch our legs and started kissing. We quickly discovered a nature preserve and used the gorgeous, quiet, lush grassland for what I assume officials meant by the allowed activities, including low-impact recreation. As chilly as the air was on my skin, Virgil kept me warm. Afterward, we shimmied back into our clothes. Luckily, I was wearing mid-rise boyfriend jeans, a t-shirt, and a cotton cardigan instead of the leggings I had considered. Picked the dead grass out of our hair, got back on the highway, and were on the best of terms again. Late in the afternoon, as the sun began to sink toward the treetops and the air got chillier, we pulled up to the castle exhausted and utterly blissful, which lasted about 30 seconds until I registered the array of vans, cars, and a cube van parked willy-nilly over my flagstone parking area. Several guys and a few gals in jeans and golf shirts emblazoned with the letters HHN bustled around carrying orange reels of black wire, lights on tripod stands, black suitcases rimmed in steel, 
steel suitcases rimmed in steel, tripods with screw mounts, and assorted other kinds of electrical and electronic equipment. What's going on? I said, slamming Virgil's car door as he circled and popped open the trunk. You expecting company? No. Why do I have a feeling this is Pish's doing? Pish, my best and one of my oldest friends, had gotten me into numerous scrapes over the last year from a murder among his aunt's group of friends I had labeled the Legion of Horrible Ladies to Roma Toscano, a histrionic and hysterical opera diva who was detained by the FBI and almost arrested for murder. I have to admit, though, that he was not responsible for problems previous to those, including the body I found just days after.